I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Ananya. She has CIDP. Let's talk about it. Um, Well, this is fun because I think this is a first. Uh, A first in the sense of the first time that we are sitting down with a previous routine checkup guest, uh, Ananya, we, we had you on. It wasn't that long ago. It was only uh, maybe like a month ago where we were talking about vaccine inequity, global vaccine yeah. inequity. But now fast forward to today, we're having you back on. This isn't an RC episode. This isn't routine checkup. This is a straight up OG Monday episode because you're here to talk about your experience with, and bear with me, folks, chronic inflammatory Myelinating neuropathy? Did I get Close. that? Oh, shit. Almost. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> That's it. I, think yeah, I have a hard time saying it <laughs> still to this day. Can, can, you, can you correct me? Sure. It's chronic demyelinating polyneuropathy. Oh, that's the, the, the hold, Actually, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This I is said fucking something wrong. Okay, this is Lauren's <laughs> fault. Lauren, I'm calling you out. This is what was written in the pre-interview doc. Uh, okay, so say it again. Say it again. Okay, I have to say it again. Okay, so chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, aka CIDP. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, Jared, you think I like you were typing like that. like you were writing that down? <laughs> I was. I, I was. Just... I was googling it, and then it auto it auto filled, and I went, "Thank fuck." <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, "How <laughs> yeah. did you spell yeah. that?" Because <laughs> I can't remember. Chronic <laughs> inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. What the fuck is go. that? Yeah. What is that? It's an autoimmune condition uh, that is extremely hard to pronounce and remember. <laughs> and so most people say CIDP. I think half of my friends, family, and my partner don't even know what it stands for half the time. And mm. they just say CIDP. Um, so it's an autoimmune com- condition similar to diabetes, arthritis, where your nervous system, you know, for my case, attacks my nerves, uh, thinking it's some foreign virus of some sort. So as it attacks my nerves, um, it creates a lot of neuromuscular weakness. And it could be acute or chronic, and so mine's is chronic. So it is a lifetime thing okay. I need to deal with. In addition to um, like muscular weakness, do you, is it painful? It sounds like whenever I think of nerves, I think of pain. Oh. Crazy enough, no. I mean, people who have CADP, like, it's so varied in terms of their severity and symptoms and disabilities. And for me, knock on wood, I've never had pain. And it's interesting. That's the first thing people ask me all Mm. the time. I think pain, I think when I, having had, having had, like, kind of both things happen with nerves where it's, it can be, like, I've had things with my 
with a nerve in my ankle that can be very painful when I stretch my hamstrings. And then I also also had the opposite thing when I got hit that I had no feeling at all and it's Ooh. just nothing. And yeah. so it can it can definitely be <clears throat> I've had both of those experiences where it's horrible, horrible, horrible pain. And then just like, oh so you, when you say you don't work. When, <laughs> you're when not you, working. When, you say, right. when I got hit, I feel like we've bullied you so much in saying that like you can't say that you've been hit by a car. So now you're but, just generally saying you got hit once. It, yeah, yeah, when I got hit. <laughs> when you got yeah, when, when I got, got hit. Yeah. When um, I was out, got hit. You're allowed to you're allowed to say when you got hit by a car. That's um, okay. Anon, well, you've traumatized me into not wanting to say it, Brian. <laughs> I just want to apologize for that. I Anon, you say it last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Burn>. <laughs> uh, Ananya. Um, and uh, boom goes I, the dynamite. I guess one of the other things that we should say is that um uh, and, and i hope it's okay me sharing this and if it's not then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll totally. have to cut this out uh, but um you said before the recording that uh this is the first time that you're actually kind of publicly sharing this uh there, a lot of people in your life don't actually know that you uh live with cidp um i guess is that is that because this is something that is <clears throat> relatively new to your life or have you been dealing with, with CIDP for, for quite a while? So I've been dealing with CIDP since I was 16 and it's been um, interesting that I don't like to talk about it. Uh, even with my friends, my family, um, you know, when I started grad school, when I get my first jobs, um, even like being now a new professor at McGill University, I never talk about disability it, to the point I don't even take it off in the equity, diversity, inclusion form. Um, and I think because I internalize so much stigma hmm. uh, in terms of having this disability that's like very rooted um, in the South Asian culture. And it's been quite interesting for me to really navigate myself as an individual who is racialized, who's a woman, who's young, uh, and have this chronic condition that has left me with a visible uh, disability. So I have permanent nerve damage in my right and my left legs, and I have to wear AFOs. Without my AFOs, I can't walk at all, actually. Oh, my God, wow. And I would have to be in a wheelchair if I didn't have AFOs. It's, oh. it's crazy how I... It's crazy how... When you're when you're young, I feel like you don't you know you you might project it a little bit about your peers, like you might want to hide some stuff because you're you know you're you, you know you're self conscious and you're and everything's changing and and but then when you become an adult, like there's so many circumstances in which you don't want to share something about yourself because of because of like perceived because of like the perception that you feel like people might have. Like I was watching. Uh, I, I started watching Ted Lasso recently. Not a great show, but I'm, I find it really endearing. Um, I find Jason Sudeikis' character really endearing. And there's a moment in one of the episodes where he has a panic attack, and the owner of the, of the team that he's coaching, who is like this super hard ass, and she's very in, a very intimidating woman, like comes out and, and comforts him. <clears throat> And I kind of had this thought, like, man, like to be in that to be in a position where you have you have a you're a coach, you're 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 looked upon to be a leader. There, you're in this you're in this leadership role. People are looking up to you. They're expecting you to be the sort of the pinnacle or the the representation of what they're they they want to do or become. And and you have this thing that then makes you feel like you are you're letting that image down, yeah. and, like in your like how. 
how much does that how much does that come up for you like you know like you said in your in your work being being a young woman being at a prestigious university like w- what are those feelings that come up for you in terms of having something that is visual and something that impedes your, you know, the way that you get around and go about your life? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think one of the challenges is that because I have my AFOs, so I'm able to get away with it sometimes. And when people do see me walk, they usually assume I sprained my ankle. And for the longest of time, when people were like, oh, why are you limping? I would say, oh, I sprained my ankle. It's an injury. Um, And I just didn't want to disclose why I limp. And it's usually when people start to notice, oh, you're actually limping for the last year. I've noticed that maybe I'll share my story. Um, But I think, you know, it really comes down to just stigma. And also, I don't want to be labeled as a person with disability. When I want people to look at me, I want them to look at me as Ananya, as, you know, a woman uh, who's a professor or just, you know, Mm. your average girlfriend or, you know, your colleague. Um, And I don't know, it's, I can't explain it. And my friends would always say, own up to your disability, talk about it, you know, even use it to your advantage. Um, And I just never um, wanted to, um, yeah, sorry. Really? No, I hear hear you. I really, I really want to touch on this, this like South Asian culture thing that you, you, you touched on earlier. Um, cause I'm not familiar with the culture, especially when it comes to how, how certain things like physical disabilities or illness in general is viewed. So can, can you like, can you touch on how South Asian culture views disabilities and what like the, like sort of compare and contrast that to Western culture and how we view and, and talk about illness and disabilities? Yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, I I grew up as a normal, healthy individual. So this didn't really happen to me until I was 16. Um, I was doing track and field and my coach started to notice that my running was getting slower. I also was trained in Indian classical dancing. Um, I actually kept tripping uh, as I was dancing. And then my um, teacher was like, I think there's something going on neurologically weird. Um, So, you know, going through all that testing and then, you know, finally coming to terms that I I have CIDP and that I'm left with a permanent disability um, was really, really hard for everyone who was around me in my community. Like, I actually was okay with it because I'm a very optimistic Mm. person. And I was like, well, it could be worse, right? There's, at least I have AFOs to walk around. I could still hike. I could still do what I want, right? I mean, and you always compare yourself to people who have it worse, right? And I was like, who am I to complain, right? You know, I'm not in a wheelchair. I, you know, didn't get hit by a car and was like paralyzed. And, you know, I remember my doctor telling me, you know, if you're going to have a neurological condition, this is probably the best one to have, right? Um, crazy enough. But then I still remember when I went downstairs uh, to my parents to tell them that I have this condition, I was dreading it so badly because I just didn't want to see their reaction. And then I was like, mom, dad, my grandma was there. Um, I was like, this is permanent. I have to live with this condition for the rest of my life. And the first thing my dad said 
oh my God, who's going to marry you? And you know, crazy Whoa. enough, mm. when my neurologist called me to confirm that I have CIDP, that was the first thing that went into my head was, who's going to marry me? Especially wow. at that time, wow. I was very, I wanted to marry someone from the South Asian community who was Hindu, um, you know, had similar values and upbringings as me, as being a South Asian person. And huh. I was like, why am I thinking like this? Why did my dad say this? And then, you know, as soon as um, I went into my community, so when we go to temple, we can't wear our shoes we, and I can't wear my AFOs. So I would walk in visibly limping like my limp is so bad when I don't mm. wear my AFOs to the point sometimes I would need my friends to hold me I need to hold on to a wall and just to see people look at me was just like I don't know I was just like wow disability is so stigmatized in this culture and like right away my mom, parents friends were like running to me they're like oh my god what happened to you and they were all saying like who's gonna marry you how are you gonna join the workforce oh, wow, um, wow. Um, here, like, try this remedy, try that remedy, taking me to all these temples. <laughs> like, oh my God, it was crazy. Like, just the response to the community. And they were not just stigmatizing me, but they were, like, adamant to see if I can get through this and miraculously mm. be cured. Um, you know, and to the point when I would be like, it's okay, I have this, it's not a big deal. They would just, you know, be bewildered. Um, and, you know, I started to really dig into why is this the case? And the reality is in India, disability has been really stigmatized. You know, India at one point had the highest rates of people who had lep uh, leprosy. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently, you know, they were shunned legally. They were not allowed to be in the workforce. They were not allowed to run for elections. Women who had leprosy were not able to get married. It was worse if you were part of a lower caste or a class. Mm. Um, and so the history of it, of disability in India, is is, is quite appalling uh, when I learned about it. And here's a fact. It was actually in 1995 when the Disability Act was finally passed uh, in India. Like, before that... Anyone could be tell, telling you, you can't work here, you can't get married, Holy you can't God. live in this area because you have a, a disability. And it was much worse for um, women. And yeah. it was crazy how that mentality was actually somewhat rooted mm. in our community in Canada, given that, you know, especially my generation, we were born and raised here and we have a mix of Western and Eastern mm. values and, and we are fighting for social justice and equity, right? You know, to make sure everyone is included, mm. irrespective mm -hmm. of their race, gender, class, disability. How, how was it for you? I'm, I'm imagining that, that, uh, like going in for you, going into temple and not being able to wear your AFOs and, and, having this visible limp and having family members and, and friends come to you and suggest all these remedies and do these things. Like I, I understand how we are sort of like how, how disability is stigmatized in that way. Um, and I think that like one thing that, that we can start to do as society is, is focus on the individuals and how we support mm -hmm. people to, to handle those situations because it's much harder to make a large cultural shift than it is to like yeah. help people and give them the tools to be able to like yeah. to 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 manage and, and get through these situations for for you how how did that feel emotionally to because it, it sounded like at, at first you mentioned that you were okay with mm. the diagnosis 
But then all of these people are coming to you, like sort of treating you as if you're broken. Everyone else isn't know? okay. Yeah. And so yeah. how how did you sort of cope with that or how do you manage that? You know, it's, I think what bewildered a lot of people was the fact that I was strong and I didn't care and I just kept trudging through. Um, and I think, you know, a big part of why I decided to stay in school forever was to show people that I am beyond my CIDP and my disability. And, you know, and I think doing my PhD especially was an escape from me, from the community, um, from my family, and to prove to them that I can do whatever I want despite having this disease and knowing that there was a point at where I thought I was never going to be in a relationship mm. and get married um, and have kids because this is what people were telling me. Um, I was really lucky to have a real, like a lot of great friends who grew up with me in Temple and I still want to, I still remember the day and I'm going to give a shout out to my best friend, uh, Joey Monica Ghosh. Um, she saw it day in and day out with me. And I remember once when we went into Temple, she was like, screw this we're gonna walk down and i'm gonna walk just like you and she walked down <laughs> with me yeah it's just swag like, it's just swagger at that point <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think those are the moments that i loved but i mean i i've often hated going to a temple it was worse for my parents like yeah. they were constantly asked like how did this happen to her why did this happen to her oh my gosh she's such a young beautiful girl it's mm. just really sad this is happening to her you know, you should try this doctor, you should try this remedy. And it was like, I would be sitting at Temple and there would be people I don't know, like aunts and uncles that would tap me and be like, sweetie, what happened? Oh, here's my number. Call me. I want you to see this herbal person. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is crazy. Let go of me. And like, they would even ask me sometimes, like, how are you doing? How's your PhD going? What's going on in life? It was like, oh, you're still walking like that. Um, and the best part was like when I would go to weddings where my temple congregation would be there and I have my AFOs and I'm dancing on the floor and they were like, oh my God, you're cured. It's a miracle. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> no, you're like i'm yeah. just not allowed to wear this yeah. where ne whenever you yeah. see me yeah. it's, so, it's so frustrating with grandparents i, I know with uh, with with my grandparents i've been going through this thing where like yeah forever since i i i started um university twice at two different schools yeah. and um didn't finish either program didn't finish the first year of either program and my grandparents like my grandmother specifically every single time i would see her was like Oh, poor you, poor you. Like, like I don't know how you managed to like live mm. without going to university. And and eventually, I I just said to her like, can you ask me? Can you maybe try starting this conversation by asking me if I'm happy? Because shouldn't that be the first thing yeah. that you care about? Well, I mean, every every I think every culture has has these these. Um, these like blocks to uh, acceptance and um, and seeing people as as individual emotional humans rather than like products that are productive for yeah. a, a society. <laughs> and I think that every culture has that, and I think every it seems like cultures and gen and and generations are like mm -hmm. fading away from that. I mean, like just like you said, Ananya, like that's a that's something that's very rooted in South Asian culture, mm -hmm. but now 
you know, your parents, I'm assuming your parents moved from uh, India mm-hmm. to Canada yeah. and now you're, and now you're, you're born in Canada and now you have these cultural roots in the Indian yeah. community, but also yeah. in Canada and the West. And so yeah. you get this mix and that is like a, an evolution of culture where there's this, it's a, it's, it's, it's this mixed, um, view of how things are, of how things, uh, of culture. And, and then you get like, I mean, it's almost, I'm trying to like articulate how, you know, you, we all have a, that grandparent or that old yeah, person, absolutely. that older person in our lives that you're just like, man, how absolutely. do they walk around thinking this way? Mm-hmm. But yeah. they'll never, be, they'll never they'll never change most likely, but the person, their offspring or the generation that came after them is much different than them. And then so on and so forth. And God, thank God for therapy, you guys, <laughs> because yeah, I don't know how I'd be able to handle it. No, I appreciate that. And I think if we look at like historical understandings of disability, it's actually dominated by European and American experience. And mm. they actually tend to assume like a Judeo Christian idea of stigma and inclusion. And there are universal norms. Like I, we've all experienced it collectively together. I think, you know, being of Indian descent, it was harder because there is that role of poverty, gender, caste, and community that compounds marginalization, right? right. Um, Which I experienced even here living um, in Canada. And so I think it's really looking at the intersections of gender, race, and disability in my case, and, and then seeing Um, how it plays out in my life. I mean, not to say I've had moments at the parking lot, you know, I have a disability pass. And I'll be honest, I usually see older white seniors that stop me and be like, why are you parking here? Yeah, right. right. (laughs) (laughs) This is our space. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, did you just say that to me? Like, and... um, and they were like, well, you're walking fine. Your mom's walking fine if she's with me. And because I have my earphones on. And yeah. you know, there's been moments where I had to lift my pants and be like, is That's this a good enough for you for me to park here? Like, I had people who were about to call the police and report me for illegally or faking a disability to park. That is <laughs> so wild to me. That is, that is, that gives me such a headache. You know what, 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 what never ceases. I had this, I had this thought, I was had this conversation like uh, two hours ago because somebody at one of the, uh, at a, I have no problem saying this on, on air. Somebody at a bit at, at our other business, which is, which is yoga. And there's an online subscription. Someone complained about paying a bunch of money. And then I looked at their account and they had literally had been getting the, account for free for like eight months. Anyway, essentially I was like, I can't believe that person didn't do, all they did was think they didn't look, they didn't check, they didn't ask, they didn't do anything. They just, they just, they just thought and then went, I'm going to fucking complain. And that's what I hear when you say that is, is people that go, I'm going to do nothing except react. Like, no, I'm going to have no thought process. I'm not going to think to myself, maybe she's like, who knows? Maybe she's got a, maybe she's got no right leg. Maybe she's got AFOs on. Maybe she, the a thousand things that could be the case. Assuming does no one any good. And we all, it makes an ass out of you and me. Everyone knows this. Maybe, yeah, maybe she's half blind. Maybe, you know, it's like you have like people, I don't know. That's a whole other story, like segment of like, 
parking at the disability uh, spots yeah, and, uh, in yeah. Canada and like the way people look at you yeah. um, and question you and yeah disability is just such like has a huge spectrum favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I, I would love to kind of rewind and go back to the yeah. earlier days of, of you know, 16 years old, you find out you have this disability. Mm-hmm. What, does it, what does it look like in those early days? Like, what are the symptoms that you are going through? What are the treatments that you are being offered? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what was your, what was your journey in, in that sense? I mean, I'll be honest, it was hell <laughs> I think about it. And I've come a long way. I think, you know, A, it took them so long to figure out what was going on with me because I was young and because I was, like, so active. I was a trained dancer. I was so into sports um, and physical activity. And so by the time they figured it out and then they were like, okay, crap, like, we need to, you know, see if we can rescue the nerve damage in her legs um, I had to go through a treatment called IVIG, um, which is essentially antibodies are infused into you at the hospital two days a month. Um, what does that even really mean? Happen. Antibodies infused <laughs> are fused into you. Fused into you? What does that mean? So it's like transfusion medicine and hmm. they're, they infuse like antibodies, proteins to help counteract your immune system to Whoa. attack your nerves. Um, it's like a six hour treatment for two days. And that was like pretty, I did that for almost 10 years of my life. Going Whoa, into wow. hospital did it help? Month. It did, but then it, there's a point where it stops working and then they're like, okay, let's try something else. And then there was plasma exchange which they had to like draw all my blood, filter out the bad antibodies that were attacking my nerves, whoa, whoa. and then reinfuse it back with plasma. And that I had to do also going into the hospital. Um, I was on steroids for a very long time, high dose. Um, and there was a point things got so bad that I had to go into the hospital and they had to infuse steroids to get it directly into my system. Jesus to Christ. Help me get walking properly again <laughs> and things like that. Uh, coupled with physiotherapy, um, acupuncture going to different gurus to miraculously cure me. Herbal medicines, yeah. (laughs) Herbal medicine. It was insane. Um, And then, you know, to the point, you know, when I was doing my PhD and stuff and actually started teaching um, when I was going all through this, some of my students would come and see me for office hours. So I would hold office hours at the hospital when I was getting treatment. Whoa, really? Yeah. Wow. So I take it there's no there's no cure for CIDP. No. Okay. There is, uh, you, uh, did you say you you went through surgeries? 
So, yeah, I did have a surgery also. So when I got diagnosed with CIDP, they also found that my brainstem was um, touching my spinal cord. There's usually, there's supposed to be a space between your brain and your spinal cord. And so my brainstem was touching it. So it was just like out of routine CT scans. They found it um, and they thought that was also like, um, fueling my neuromuscular weakness. And so I had the surgery at 16 and actually I was actually okay. And they even thought the CADP was gone and I actually had a normal life from 16 to 23. And then at 23, Whoa. the weakness started again and they're like, oh crap, the CADP is back. And what was I think it? it's here to stay. What was that? What was that like thinking, thinking that obviously, I mean, fuck, what's that? Seven years. I mean, that's a long, yeah. that's a, a long time. time. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. And then, and then having that, you know, revert back to, to feeling the nerve weakness. What yeah. was, I mean, I, I feel like I've, I feel like I've, I can't even, I can't even place the, the scent, the feeling or like the, the actual incidence of when I felt like that. But I know that feeling of, of like heart sinking and, yeah. and just being like, Fuck, I thought that this was done. Yeah. Like, yeah. what was that like for you? I mean, it's crazy. It was just <clears throat> what I was most worried about was my parents and my community and what they would think and how they would cope with this as opposed to me coping with it. I am, again, like, I was like, well, it could be worse. I, you know, and I have to get through this. And I think also being raised in a Hindu family understand karma was also a way for me to cope with it and be like maybe I did something in my past life and I deserve to have this and it's crazy how like I had all these like cultural like um assumptions going on in my head but I'll be honest like the biggest worry for me was just I didn't want to look be looked differently I didn't want to experience that stigma from my community, even from my relatives, even from some of my friends, you know, um, who didn't know me as well as my best friends do. Um, but I think I'll be honest, my biggest fear was not being in a relationship and not being accepted mm. by someone, um, for who I am. And I just, you know, kept moving forward, but I kept trying to like constantly prove to everybody I am not my CIDP. Yeah. Like, I am just... I, that must have really anyone. fucked your confidence. Like, I, I can only imagine that that, yeah. that takes a, quite a toll on on your own, like, the way that you view yourself. I, like, I, in particular, like, when it comes to dating, like, how yeah. you how you see yourself, how, how your, your own self, self-worth. Like, did you... How do you... How, how have you managed that? How do you manage that? Or is that something that you are working on? Or... Or have you, have you, you know, do you feel like you've figured that out now that you're, you're a bit older in life? Yeah, I mean, it took me, dating was just a whole other ball game. Um, like I said, I was legit convinced that no one would ever want to be with me because stigma uh, and social exclusion is so ingrained in the in Indian history and culture for women who have disabilities. Um, and... I, you know, actually didn't date for the first time until I was 27. Like, I withheld it for so long because I was just like, I don't want to go through having to face someone telling me I'm not worthy of being with them because of my relationship. And it was this weird, deep-rooted fear I had. And my girlfriends were like, no, you got to give it a try. Like, 
there are good people out there. They would share stories of like other women who had disabilities found the love of their life and, you know, got married and have kids, but I was just still wasn't convinced. Um, it wasn't, yeah. So it was, when I was 27. One of my girlfriends set me up with her, a friend of a friend who was looking and, you know, uh, it was a South Asian guy and, you know, he was born and raised here, Hindu, um, physician. Um, and, uh, you know, I was looking for someone like me, like my type of personality, uh, my values and principles. And so <clears throat> she was like, give it a shot. Right. And I was just like, I don't know. And so that was like one of my first dating experiences. Um, and I just remember how stressful it was. Like I yeah. had to make sure that they picked a restaurant where there was like accessible parking. I didn't have to walk so much so they wouldn't see my limp. Um, you know, I just, like, it was so stressful. I remember I was so nervous to meet this guy. Um, and when I met him, like, he had no clue I had CIDP. Like, my walking, I think I was just, I was in remission. My walking was perfect with my AFOs. And we had such a great time. And, you know, he really liked me. I really liked him. Um, <coughs> and things were going well. And then finally, I had to break it to him that, hey, I actually have this autoimmune condition and that was really tough when my girlfriends trained me how to say it. Mm. Um, and I went, and then when I, we were out and then that day actually I was having a bit of a rough day and I was like, he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I sprained my ankle. And then he's like, oh, he's like, are you okay? Cause he's a doctor. Right? And I was like, and he's like freaking out and, um, you know, being the good boyfriend or, oh, actually we weren't, I wouldn't say we were boyfriend and girlfriend at that point, but you know, just trying to like show that he's caring and empathetic. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what? I need to tell you the truth. I have sprained ankles all the time. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you're a doctor. I'm just going to spell it out for you. I'm like, I have chronic, uh, I mean, I'll say CADP. Um, and <laughs> seeing his face reaction was just, he was silent. And I knew what that silent meant. And then he was like, I'm, you know, we're going to get through this. Um, I'm here for you. And... Uh, you're really special and da, da, da. and then the next couple of months was just so much drama and because I can see like he just wasn't comfortable being around me like at that point all he saw me was for my CADP and the worst was when he told his parents they lost it and they were like no you can't be with someone who's oh, a chronic no. condition you know to the point like like I it was like impacting his relationship with his family and finally he just ended it with me and he's like I'm sorry I can't be with someone who will limp next to me in front of the community. Oh, I thought Hello. that story was going somewhere completely different. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck I was like I thought when you were going yeah, a- and he looked at me I was I was expecting you to say <laughs> and he was like cool that's really interesting. Let's make this work. I'm a doctor and I completely I'm, yeah, understand. I completely understand. I'm a physician. Yeah. I think that's the thing. That, that's the thing that breaks. I mean, that would that story, no matter what his, that would never no matter what his profession is, that story would break my heart. But yeah. But that's the part that but, yeah. but being a but being a physician, like when when there's like these when there's this like cultural aspect that is at play and but then at the same time, like he's a physician. And, you know, he knows that these things, you know, you didn't ask for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you didn't do anything to get it. Unless you did ask for it in, in your previous life, like you said. It's I, it, <laughs> yeah. it is still it's very possible. For, we don't know. We don't that. know for Maybe. sure. We don't know for sure. But it's, but it's <laughs> no. there. It's there. And like that, like the, 
the intellectual the intellectual side mm-hmm. doesn't trump the doesn't trump the the cultural aspect that like that you know i i think i can say pretty clearly shouldn't really be mm. the thing that's that's at the forefront yeah because because you're you you're you like yeah. you are not and like it goes back to what you said at the very beginning you know you don't want to be you don't want to be labeled. You don't want to have an asterisk mm-hmm. next to your name. Yeah. Um, but like my my initial reaction to stories like that, and if I was just talking to a friend and they told yeah. me that, I would be like, you know what? Like, fuck it. He, he, you deserve better than that person. Yeah. And like that's that's what I want to say to you. But also, I understand. Yeah. I I understand that it's it's this is it's not just this issue that that's how he and his family saw you it's this issue that that's stigma for people that exists for yeah. people who live with disabilities yeah. and yeah that's what fucking sucks is that it's not just like one person's opinion it's like this is this sort of blanket thing that exists mm-hmm. and affects a lot of people who lives with live with does. disabilities yeah. so like if, if he was just a shitty person and it was just a personality thing i'd be like well fuck that guy you deserve so yeah. much better but it is this like larger thing that mm-hmm. like we need to do, talk more about. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any experiences that 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 fly in the face of that? Like where you know you've had people that have you've had experiences where, you know, I mean, fuck, I mean, didn't you say you had a partner now? Yeah, I do. Yes. Okay. Uh, so obviously, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, yeah. I mean, it took a long time, um, but you know, I think even that experience with. The first dating, the guy I first dated was tough and I cried for a month and mm. I was done, right? Because I was just like so like hurt by this world that we live in and that mm-hmm. people would like reject you even though they like you so much of for a disability that obviously doesn't interfere your own life. Like you don't see it interfering your life. Right. Um, and, you know, I actually didn't date for another probably three years. Wow. And then lo and behold, someone again sent me up with their friend, another South Asian doctor. And I'm not like calling out South Asian doctors. <laughs> <laughs> and, ah, you've and, got a type, uh, I can <laughs> tell. <laughs> yes, I, see, I, see. I It was more just I wanted to be someone with someone from the same culture. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I think, and it happened again with this guy, you know, was crazy about me when he first met me, great time dating, you know, even to the point talking about a potential future and then boom, as soon as I tell him about my CADP, it was over and oh, it was over no. after he talked to his parents. So it was like strike two. And so my biggest fear that I had, I was like actually proving to my girlfriends and my friends who were so optimistic I'm gonna find the love of my life um and I was like see this is our culture this is how history is still playing out Mm. you know in our generation um and uh you know after that you know I did date quite like a bit here and there and I actually did find a couple of guys here and there you know who kind of who did look beyond my disability but I didn't have chemistry with them I I you know, we didn't have a lot in common. And I was also very adamant to like, make sure that someone that I wouldn't settle and I would just be with someone for just the sake of being some with someone. Um, And, you know, I remember my dad once he was like, really hopeful that miraculously, I would be cured. And I remember once he told me at a kitchen table, and I was telling him, you know, about 
my dating experiences and he was like you know once you're cured you're gonna find the love of your life and Ooh, I was like fuck. dad uh, <sighs> you know and I don't blame him because it's <laughs> so ingrained in us like yeah. this is how we've been shaped by our society mm-hmm. and I was like and then I actually remember I was like you know what dad who am I gonna end up being with is going to be with me for my disability. I'm like, I realized I had such a powerful screening tool because I worry that I actually would have married one of the other guys that if I didn't have ADP and I would never known that they hold so much stigma, especially when they're all about social justice and equity. Um, And so I was determined to find someone who would accept me for who I am and uh, it was so a few years after I actually went online and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. Let's see what I'm going to take this into my control. I was done with my friends setting up with setting me up with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one guy that, you know, liked me and I looked at his profile and he seemed pretty cool. Um, he was a South Asian and my and my friends were like, you need to start opening up the criteria that you have <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like and I was at this point I was like I'm just gonna date cool guys that's it I'm not gonna actually like not date someone because they're South Asian because that's kind of similar to saying well I'm not gonna date someone because they have a disability or be with them mm, because they have a sure. disability and I was like I was kind of like reawake being reawakened and so this person um yeah and then we started exchanging messages and um we had decided to meet and um, we had a really great time. I was so stressed out because actually my CIDP was acting up and I was limping quite a bit. So I told him I had a sprained ankle and I needed a restaurant with underground parking. It was like snowing like crazy in Toronto that day. And I was freaking out because I actually liked this guy. I loved our exchanges through the phone. We talked once. Um, we just had a lot in common. And I was so nervous. And then I was like walking and then I saw him and we went for sushi and we just had such a great time. And he was so great. Like he found a restaurant with underground parking and he was like, oh my God, um, you know, um, I just want to make sure you don't worry about your sprained ankle. And I actually didn't tell him about my uh, CIDP until like a month after dating. Um, He just thought, I told him my ankle wouldn't get better for a few weeks. Um, and I did that strategically because often I would tell guys maybe in two or three weeks into dating, um, but I held off as long as I had to. And it wasn't until um, we were driving and I, I would also hide my disability pass in the car, but that day I forgot to hide it. And he saw yeah. it and he was like, oh, he's like, who is this for? And then I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, can I ask you a question? I was like, yes. And then he's like, is this for you? And I was like, freaking out I was like oh my god it's over um and I was like and I took a deep breath and I was like it is for me it was I remember it was on Queen Street in Toronto we just came from a vegan diner and and we were getting really close um and and he was actually moving back to the U.S. that day for work and so I was like I have to tell you the truth and I was like I have a chronic autoimmune condition I have a permanent disability you're seeing me limp. I'm gonna, I limp like this all the time. Sometimes it's better. I have better days. Sometimes it's worse than this. And he was just like, oh, okay. And then he was like, that sucks. And I was like, 
Yeah. And I was like, and I've had guys who've like rejected me left, right, and center because of this. And I was like ready for him to be like, I'm sorry, Mm. I don't think this is going to work or it was going to come. And he was just like, uh, he's like, do you need to get home right now? And I was like, uh, I was like, I could go home. And I was like ready to call my girlfriends and start crying my ass out. And he was like, do you want to go to the distillery district? And I was like, yeah, he was like, oh, interesting. Okay, well, shall we go get drunk now? I mean, like, whatever. Also, yeah, it's yeah. super hard to get parking there, but not with this fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, minus 15, ice everywhere. And I was like, uh, I was like, I don't want to go to the distillery district. I'm like, those like European paved sidewalks, are, I can't walk on them right now. And he was just like, I, I've got your hand. And he's like, let's do this. Hell yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. That's very nice. That's the story we were looking that, for. That, that, that's, that's the ending I was hoping for. That's amazing. That's very, that is very nice. And, and again, like it, it just, it, it goes to show, I, I, I'm glad that you told that story because I think that um, there's most certainly somebody out there listening to this right now who is likely going through what you had gone through, which is like that, yeah. that sort of, that, that hardship in in the way that you view yourself, the the self confidence issues, yeah. the the like seemingly constant, never ending rejection. Um, yeah. But but again, like you you just have to remind yourself that there is a very large sea of humans out yes, there, and absolutely. just because there's there's a handful of people that can't see past a disability and can't see a life existing without this thing hindering the, you know, the, the potential that exists within that. There's just as many people out there who look at it and go, I don't fucking care. This isn't like, this isn't what I'm, I'm not, this is what not going to scare me away from you. I I love the way you refer to it as, as like a a screening tool too, because like when you think of your criteria of a person that you would want to date, I think most people, in in this day and age, and I, I guess most people in our friend circle would say, I don't want to date somebody who doesn't like people because they have a disability, or like yeah, doesn't absolutely. you know doesn't respect somebody mm-hmm. because they have a disability, and like if you don't have a disability and that's not part of the way that they're evaluating absolutely. whether or not you're you're a partner that they want to be with, you might not actually pick that up until months into a relationship with them. And at that point you're like, Oh, you're actually kind of an asshole. And I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I, as, as interesting, as interesting as it always is to like find out the like ins and outs of what something is that someone deals with and you know, how they found out about it and what, what, what are the details of it? I mean, this ultimately is like, this is the like the essence of of what we of what we've been doing for for years now is like is mm-hmm. you know the human experience of what it's like it's to absolutely. to to have to have a to have an illness or a condition <laughs> and and like how that influences and affects yeah. the the like human experiences that everybody on planet earth has or absolutely. or wants to have which is a re, which is relationships love yeah. and yeah. and uh yeah, and 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 to hear that and knowing that like like Jeremy said there's people that are listening to this that have had a very similar experience to you there's people out there that are having that experience right now there's people yeah. out there that you know might have a chronic condition but they're really young and they're not in that phase yet and they yeah. might hear this and go and and it's helpful for them when they get to that phase to know that to hear those stories of, of somebody who's, you know, 
who who's faced the difficulties, but uh, but like saw the saw that light at the end of the tunnel and knows that there are people out there that don't that don't just see the disabilities and and see people for who they are yeah. in in full. We hear about that in our Discord. Um, all of the time, um, yeah. our patrons are always yeah. talking about uh, yeah. uh, the, their experiences with dating and whether they have yeah. uh, disabilities or whatever unique experiences mm-hmm. they they live with. There's a lot of assholes there, out there. The, yeah, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of garbage you have to sift through. Yeah, people who are on our Discord Absolutely. are our patrons. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Who are on our Patreon? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just emphasize. Totally. Just slipping that in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ananya, how are you? What's what is what is life? like for you today like how are you how are you managing your illness today um and and like like how is Ananya today Ananya is like come a long long way um I think you know going through so much treatment being in and out of the hospital for like over a decade um you know there was finally a drug that seemed to work and and really put me in remission for a long time so this is the longest I've been in remission it's almost been uh four years and what was uh, the drug it's uh it's a immunosuppressant so it's called myofortuck it's crazy expensive thank god for benefits um and uh it's it's working and um, despite my permanent nerve damage in my lower legs, uh, every, all my nerves and my other parts of my body are perfectly fine. Mm. Um, I'm now at the point where I'm doing 7K walks and I'm training quite a bit. Um, I've traveled a lot. Um, you know, I have a fabulous job teaching about social justice and equity. And I think because of my experiences of experiencing inequities due to race, gender, and disability, it's made me more of an empathetic, uh, sympathetic person. Um, Knock on wood. I mean, I'm also really grateful to have such great community support, like my friends and family who finally see me for who I am. And Mm. I, I think I had to really advocate for myself and, really show them that I want to be treated for who I am as a person and and not this disability. And so knock on wood, this is the first time where I actually don't worry about my CIDP and I feel normal, but I also take pride um, in having CIDP. And, you know, I'm now kind of like, I can't imagine myself without it. And Mm. I see it as a blessing. I see it really shaping me to be who I am uh, today. And I think one of you had said that in a previous podcast, you were like, I can't imagine not having, you know, this illness, mm. right? Because it, it really, I don't know, it makes you for who you are and it makes yeah. life more meaningful for me and yeah. appreciate the little things in life uh, more than ever. And uh, yeah, that's where I am today. <laughs> I know you're going to probably ask the last two questions right now. And so before you do that, I, I know that we've talked about this a number of times, but I have to ask before we wrap up, we've said AFO a bunch of times. I know what yeah. an AFO is, but what does AFO stand for? Okay. Ass, <laughs> ass, ass fucking off. L, it's L-M-A-F-O. Is, is oh, that, L-M-A-F-O. Is that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Laugh yeah. my fucking ass off. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what, it's <laughs> right. that's what I thought. No, but actually, um, yeah. what is that? Go, go, you know, can you Google I, it? 
It, yeah, can you Google it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it stands for Assistive. I don't. I bet it's assistive something. Ankle foot orthosis. Orthosis. There yeah. you go. Thank that's what you. I That's what I said. We've recently had uh, the brackish bracing folks on, and we've talked about these a bunch of times. And We saw how they're made. We had basically had a how it's made episode for our patrons. Cool. Yeah. And it was a lot of, it was actually you can a only, lot of fun. You can only see that if you were a patron. There's a right. whole process yeah. to become yep. on Anyway. Ananya, I'm going to ask you the question that we ask most of our guests, and it's a two-parter. So the the first part is, what would you say is the biggest thing that your CIDP has taken away from you? Oh, that's a deep question. (laughs) I think, honestly, just to be grateful for struggles in life. Um, I'm someone who embraces struggles and really try to learn from them. Um, also with CIDP, I learned disability is a privilege in its own weird way. Mm-hmm. And something that I'm very mindful of is that, you know, if I do, if I am in remission, um, if I do have a relapse, if I am struggling, that it's okay to tell people that you are, I think, cause I hid my disability for so long. Um, people didn't really get to know me and, how CIDP has shaped me to be who I am today. Um, I think it's also made me a very empathetic person. And a lot of people ask me why I'm so close with my students in the university, particularly with students who have mental health issues or have their own disabilities and their own struggles. I think I'm really able to connect with them um, in a way because I get where they're coming from. And I've had actually students who've come in and actually have similar autoimmune conditions and they're quite shocked when I say, oh, I have that too. Um, mm. Oh yeah, I totally get what it feels like to wear an AFO. Oh yeah, I'm on an immunosuppressant. Oh my God, I hate steroids. It like makes you go crazy, <laughs> you know, and things like that. I think also CADP, it really confronted a lot of trauma that I held within myself for years uh, with the disability and really pushed me to go into therapy and you know I think also in the South Asian culture mental health is also very stigmatized and tabooed and something that I actually held a lot growing up and you know it took me so long to finally seek therapy particularly cognitive behavioral therapy to change my mindset to make sure that I myself am not letting CIDP determine my fate especially when it comes to dating and uh, relationships and I think that's something that I think I would never have gone into therapy if I didn't have CIDP. Yeah. And I realized the value of therapy and taking care of your mental health. And that's why now I'm a big advocate of, you know, mental health and, and, and making sure that people have access to it. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest takeaways uh, for me for having CIDP. So that, that was my second question was what, what did you gain from it? Um, uh, but is there anything that, it, that it's taken away from you? Yeah, I can't wear high heels. I know that's that's the little things things that matter. That's right. It's a little shallow, but, um, you know, I I realize I'm not going to be able to, like, you know, do really steep hikes and, like, I won't probably Mm. be able to trek up, you know, like mountains and things like that. Um, But that's okay. And, 
I, I'm okay with that. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like, I feel like I have everything I need. I think I'm also very privileged as a disability person because other people have it worse, especially if they're like low income or they're, they experience more paralysis, um, and more limitations. Um, and, and, and so, so that's something that I'm very mindful um, as well, I, I try not to make sure when I am meeting with people who have it worse than me that I say I get it because actually I don't, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been one of the fortunate ones to have an AFO to actually live a considerable normal life um, and succeed in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is because of the privilege that I hold um, in many ways. Um and so, yeah, it's it's been a long way, but I think just even sharing my story with the three of you through this podcast is very empowering. And I just want to let other people out there, especially young women of color, it's a struggle and I get it. And I think we need to come together more than ever and really try to destigmatize disability because I don't want any other girl, woman, to go through what mm. I went through, who is part of the South Asian culture. I don't mm-hmm. want them to be rejected. And I want our South Asian communities to start, um, you know, not looking at people differently if they have a chronic condition or an mm. illness or a disability. I think there's a lot of work we need to do back at home in South Asia, but also here mm. um, for us in Canada. No doubt. Well, Ananya, I got to say, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to rejoin us to get a little bit more thank personal you. than the last time that you were here. Um, I think I think hearing your story is going to be really valuable for a lot of people. So thank you so much for that. It really does mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I love you guys. You guys are like my favorite peeps ah, in the podcast world. Right. We love you very much, too. <laughs> There you go, folks. That was our conversation with Ananya. So glad to have her back in the hot seat. Um, hope you enjoyed that. And uh, folks, if you've been listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a rating and review. We say it every single week and we mean it every single week. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow button. And uh, if you're listening on any other podcast app, just press every button available. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. Producer Lauren Sankey is on the team. Uh, we are managed by Jeffrey Lonis. And a uh, big shout-out to Donovan the Meerkat Morgan for all the sound design. And, of course, take part for the theme music. And listen, folks, if you want to be a guest on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. Or if you want to just give us an opinion or write to us anything at all, you can hit us up, letters at sickboypodcast.com. Love you all. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Bye. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.